guys ready for the word? I'm ready to give it. We're going to go deep tonight. You guys ready? All right. Genesis 4. Turn to Genesis 4. The Bible is absolutely amazing. We're going to be in Genesis 4. We're going to go to Luke. And then we're going to jump over to Revelation to end our time tonight. And the Bible is absolutely amazing when you dig into it and study. And because, as I talked last week, and this is along the same lines as last week, is that we should be developing, especially in the days that we live in, the Bible has an answer for everything that you're going to see happen before you. And a biblical worldview is incredibly important because it gives us the ability to see the world in a different way than what we were born into. You see, when you're born, you're born into what the Bible declares as the world system. And then when you're born again, you are born into a new kingdom, So you begin, just like you were a baby and had to learn how to walk and talk and operate in the system you were born into, the same way, spiritually speaking, when you're born again by God, you begin to walk and talk, and the kingdom of God should become so natural to us that we think like what God wants us to think of in the kingdom, that we talk like God wants us to talk in the kingdom, that we act like God wants us to act in the kingdom. And tonight we're going to talk about the spirit of Babylon and what the Babylonian system is and how it is diametrically. How many, how, how many know how many kingdoms are in existence on the earth today? Who, who wants to say? How, how many kingdoms are there today on the earth as we stand here right now? Two kingdoms, right? Two. The kingdom of Satan and darkness and the kingdom of God and his light. Those are the two kingdoms that exist today. So we're going to talk about this tonight. Again, it goes along with what we talked about last week in developing a biblical worldview. And I really hope that by the end of this, you'll be challenged to begin to see the world differently and see it how the Bible paints a picture of the two systems that are in operation today, which is the spirit of the kingdom of darkness, Babylon, and the kingdom of God, that Jesus said that he came to institute, and he made very clear, my kingdom is not of this world. Amen? My kingdom is of another world. So we're going to look here in Genesis 4, and we're going to dig out some things tonight that I believe will help us. Because, church, and we know this, there's a lot of noise out there, isn't there? So it's very important that we filter everything that we see, everything that we partake in, everything that we do through the filter of God's word and his kingdom so that we can begin to discern what is of God's kingdom and what is not of God's kingdom. Because you are either heavily invested and investing in the spirit of Babylon and the enemy's kingdom or you are presently investing in the, the God's kingdom and the future kingdom that he said he would institute one day. And in the here and now, there's some things we can learn from the word of God in a deep way of where did the spirit of Babylon come from? It was literal in the Old Testament. We'll see here in Genesis 4 and moving forward how that spirit then continued on after the flood because God finally got fed up and he said, I'm going to do away with this system so that I can have a people that I can bless and I can walk with and I can, I can plant the kingdom into the earth today. And I heard a story one time of a Navy pilot who was struggling with UHF and VHF system of communicating and uh, because static would begin to come through 
and the designers of the airplanes that they were flying, they came up with a, something called a, a squelch knob. You ever seen those old radios with a squelch knob? What a squelch knob would do was cut out all the white noise and static so they could clearly hear what the command was from their superior officers. And if there's a time and a day where we need a, a spiritual squelch knob to be able to turn so that we can hear what God is saying, it has never been more important in our spiritual lives that we hear what the Spirit is saying to the church of Jesus Christ. To understand the times and the seasons that we're living in and then to react out of that of how do we live in the kingdom of God, discerning where the kingdom of Satan is operating. And really what put me down this path, and I've taught on these subjects before, but here lately I've been watching a lot of documentaries. <laughs> and in watching those documentaries, you've got to be careful what documentaries you watch too, because I'm finding out that some of them on some you know, uh, Netflix and things, I'm like, whoa, eh, I'm not watching that, and turn it off. And because on Netflix and other avenues, they're not like History Channel where some of the stuff shouldn't even be in there. But um, So we have to be really careful of what we watch, how we watch, because there's a world system that, unbeknownst even to us as believers here in the United States of America, begins to come into our lives and our families, and we begin to invest in the world system more than we're investing in God's system. Investing in the kingdom of darkness more than we're investing in the kingdom of light. And the true battle we face is the world is trying to mold us into its image. And the battle that we face is that the world's trying to mold us into its image. And God, through his word, through prayer, through church, through those avenues, is trying to, trying to separate us from the kingdom of darkness and the present world we live in and mold us into his image, into the image of Jesus. And that's really where the battle lies is what spirit are you going to allow to mold you? That's the question, is which kingdom are you going to allow to mold you into? And because a lot of times we're not even aware of how much we're molded by culture. The reason I say that is because all of us sitting in this room are absolutely bombarded by the world system and culture every single day. You, again, you can't, like I did, just innocently turn on a documentary and realize, man, that's, that's not something that a man of God should watch, so I turned it off. And the culture is constantly bombarding us. In other words, you're receiving information continually from the culture around you, and it, if we're not careful, it can begin to mold us in a way that is unhealthy and ungodly, and we need to be aware. So we need a paradigm. We need a biblical worldview in order to see the world around us. And uh, so you have the world and you have the kingdom of God. You have the kingdom of, of heaven and you have the kingdom of darkness that is trying to move in on us. And we're going to take two stops in Genesis and then we're going to look at Luke and then we're going to end up in Revelation. And in Genesis 4, something absolutely tragic happens in these scriptures we're about to read. The first human being born, fittingly enough, became a murderer. And his name was what? Cain. Cain was a murderer. So Cain, and this, I want you to get this, okay, as we read this, and we're going to stop by each verse and dig into it a little bit. But it is fitting because the first human born actually became a murderer. And listen, this is important. He was cast out of the presence of God. I want you to remember that. Verse 16 of Genesis 4. 
Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. So stop there. Very important to note. Everything that Cain did after being cast out of the presence of God was done outside of God's system that God created in the Garden of Eden. In any community, in any city, as we'll look at tonight, when Cain pitched his tent on the east side of Eden and began to form a city, in any city you're going to have a system of government, you're going to have an economic system, and we're going to look here in a minute, you're going to have a a military system, and you're also going to have a system of education that was built, education, government, finances and economics, and even entertainment. And believe it or not, all the way back in Genesis 4, if you're reading it correctly with the right paradigm, with the right set of lenses, you're going to be able to pick up on that and follow that thread all of the way through the Bible, all the way to Genesis where we'll end up tonight, of those systems that were set up by the first human born who was cast out of the presence of God because he was jealous and he murdered his brother and he's cast out of the, of, the, of the thing. So the world system that is distinct and separate from God's system was formed. And this world system has an economic system, an educational system, a governing system, and a social dim, uh, dimension. And each one of us, like I mentioned before, are almost like born in the matrix. And there has to be a, a, a rending of the veil, so to speak, that our eyes are open, that we can actually begin to discern and see these systems in operation Because it is very important in the days and times that we live in that we can discern where the enemy's kingdom is operating and where God's kingdom is operating. Are you following me so far? And here's what I told somebody just yesterday in a meeting. And uh, we weren't talking about this particular subject. It was something else, but we got off into some other things. Where I looked at him and I said, because he brought up a few things, and I said, you know, it, it has come to my mind that if I'm the enemy... I am not going to try to fool the people of God with something that is blatantly evil. Does that make sense? What I mean by that is when you take subjects like, you know, drunkenness and addiction and homosexuality and things that we can clearly say from the Word of God are sinful and that we really kind of get riled up about and our culture is heading in a certain direction that none of us want to see it head that I began to think of the subject of discerning these things, and I thought to myself, if in the end times even the elect elect are deceived, then the enemy's not going to come at us with something that is blatantly evil, and at its surface level, the, the enemy disguises himself as an angel of light. Is that not what the Bible teaches? So he is going to try to fool us with something, and I told this person, I said, it's going to be 98.9% right, but we have to be so biblically in tune and so deep in the word and so close to Jesus and his kingdom that we can instantly see where the enemy is trying to fool the people of God. And I'm not responsible for any other church but the one that I stand before on this night and regularly and preach and teach to you, and it is on my heart lately to really, really teach us how to view the world properly. Because even the things that people will come and tell you to get angry about or upset about, you need to be very discerning. Amen? So you had an economic system, you had a governing system, a social uh, system, and we are born in this world. Amen? But it says we are born in this world, but we're not of this world. 
That's what the Bible teaches us. So like the Matrix, that movie Matrix, where everything's just kind of around isn't what it seems. In the same way, biblically, we need to discern where the enemy's operating. Because this other world and the other system, God's kingdom has its own economy. God's kingdom has its own education. God's kingdom has its own government. And it's unlike the world system that we operate in. So two distinct systems, two distinct cultures, the systems of this world that were first created by Cain. Because let's look at verses 16 through 17 of Genesis 4. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. Now, notice this. The very first city that was built was built outside of God's government, God's education, God's system, God's way of doing things in the Garden of Eden, and it was done outside of everything that God had told them to do. And now he's building a system in a city that is operating outside of the kingdom of God. I want you to notice that. Completely completely separated from God's presence and what God said to do. And watch this. Everything they did was the beginning of creating this system. Look at verse 18. To Enoch was born a Irad, and Irad begot Mahujel, and Mahujel begot Methuselah, and Methuselah begot Lamech, and then Lamech took for himself two wives. The name of one was Ada, and the name of the second was Zillah. And Ada born, Ada born Jabel, who was the father of those who dwelt in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal, he was the father of all those who played the harp and the flute. And as for Zilla, she also bore Tubal-Cain, an instructor of every craftsman in bronze and iron. And the sister of Tubal-Cain was Naba. Now notice this. Look back this way. Out of the descendants of Cain comes an entire agricultural system, an economic system. Those who dwell in tents and raise cattle, the scripture says. From him comes an entire entertainment system, those who play harps and flutes, music, outside of God's presence, then the workers of iron and bronze, the makers of tools and weapons, all of this entire economic system was created outside of the presence of God. So we have a system called what? The kingdom of God, right? There are certain things that work in his system, and the world has its way of operating, And God's kingdom has a way of operating in these very systems that were created. So look at verse 23. Then Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, Hear my voice, wives of Lamech. Listen to my speech, for I have killed a man for wounding me. Now stop and look back this way. Is that the world system or is that God's system? Somebody help me. World system. Because Jesus came along, and we're going to study this deeper in the mountain that we talk about, the the Mount of Beatitudes, the the mount where Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks on Sunday morning. But Jesus came with really a radical idea, didn't he? Because as we see here, the world system is one where if somebody does something wrong to you, then you got to get them back. Eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You're going to, if they, they're going to hit you, then you got to hit them harder. And then Jesus comes along. And, and think about this. When, when uh, the disciples come to him and they're like, Jesus, you want us to call down fire on their head? And what did he answer them and say? You do not know of what spirit 
that you're operating in. In other words, you could take that and just turn it around and say, Jesus could have easily said, you're not operating in my kingdom. You're moving over and operating in the world system. Are you following me so far? Jesus came with something radical. And that's why that we need Jesus more than we ever do because when Jesus came along and gave this radical way of operating and living in in his kingdom, it absolutely seemed impossible to do. It had to have. Because the world system, and we're all born into that world system, we're all taught from an early age, if a kid comes up in the nursery and takes something from you, most of us are teaching our kid, we'll just hit him back and take it back away from him. The world system versus God's kingdom. Because to operate in the world system absolutely comes naturally to everybody sitting in this room. You know, you understand that every time that you turn on CNN or Fox or MSNBC or even turn on your radio in the car, and listen, I'm not against any of those things. I'm just telling you to be very wise and to be very discerning because what you are doing is you're allowing yourself to turn something on that is completely outside of God's kingdom and what he told us to live by. The worldly system, and that's what the Bible refers to. They refer to it as the kingdom of God and the world system, or we see all throughout the Bible, and we're going to look at this in a minute. It's the Babylonian system. In a documentary I watched a couple months ago, and here's what I've begun to do, and this may seem silly to you, I'm just going to tell you. When I have studied the Bible over all these years, I begin to notice that really what it is, and especially the book of Revelation, it's a script that repeats itself over and over and over again. Have you ever noticed that? It's a script. When you read the book of Revelation, you and, and, and uh, the Apostle John taught us this. He said, there's many antichrists that have gone out into the world. So there will be one antichrist at the end that rises up, and we know all that from the book of Revelation. But if you look at the script, there's always been somebody raise up, and they begin to cause destruction in the world and harm in the world and hate in the world. Look back to World War II. You cannot tell me that Adolf Hitler was not a type of the Antichrist. Absolutely was. So when I watch documentaries now, because Revelation also tells us, Jesus himself spoke to one of his churches and he says, I know where Satan's throne is. Satan is one fallen angel that controls a hierarchy of fallen angels and he sets up a throne somewhere. In the Old Testament, uh, he's pronouncing judgment against uh, the king of Tyre, T-Y-R-E. And this city of Tyre, was an, it, it was absolutely unconquerable because it was out in the middle of a lake and there was this long road that led out there. And if anybody wanted to attack it, they just cut the road. They stayed inside of that uh, city and they could last for years inside. Nobody could ever conquer it. And then as he's pronouncing judgment, the prophet of God is pronouncing judgment on this king of Tyre. It switches and the judgment begins to deal with what, who is behind the king of Tyre which is Satan. And he pronounces this judgment. So when I watch documentaries now, I begin to just say, okay, in this documentary of, of historical people like Alexander the Great and the Babylonian, the because the, the, he came and conquered what? Persia and Babylon. And I'm watching these things and I'm thinking, okay, Lord, these are all historical facts that, that these secular people are just talking about. But I don't look at those things with natural eyes. I look at them with spiritual eyes. So then I begin to ask myself, where's his throne today? Because I guarantee it's somewhere. I'm not totally sure. I'm not going to get into that tonight. But 
This world system that was birthed all the way back there in the beginning, the spirit of it is absolutely still alive today. So what happens later on is God sees this system is completely out of control. So God says, you had giants in the land. I've talked about Nephilim when I did a series on demons and the, the, the demonic. You had all these things going on. So Genesis 5 is one of the linchpins of the entire Old Testament to me. Because God says, hey, I'm going to have to wipe this whole thing out. I'm going to have to start over. But what we're going to look at right here is even though he wiped out all the people, the spirit of the Babylonian system survived and jumped all over one of Noah's kids and survived. Let's look at that. Turn to Genesis 10. This is where the world system gets its name from Genesis 10 on. You have Cain outside of the presence of God. He starts to create cities. Inside of those cities, you had an educational system. You had an agricultural system. You had a military system. You had an entertainment system that was set up. And it goes all the way up to Genesis 10. And Genesis 10 is where we find the story of Noah. And it was Ham. Noah had three sons. And we know Ham disrespected his father. And look here in verse 6 of chapter 10. God drowned the human beings. However, the spirit of that system, I want to point out, was left alive in this man named Ham. And what happened to Ham, his descendants were listed in Genesis 10 verse 6. Look, everybody look back this way. <laughs> when I read this, tell me the light bulb isn't going to come on, okay? Cain cast outside the presence of God. He begins to create the world system. You follow that all the way through to Genesis 10. Ham is now the representative because of his disobedience. He now is representing and has the spirit of Babylon, the worldly system upon him. Look at the sons of Ham, Cush, Egypt, Put, and Canaan. Y'all, who are the people that were constantly coming against Israel, the people of God? Did the Egyptians not enslave the people of God? Did Did the Canaanites not come against the people of God? And it lists the different children and descendants. And I want to point out if you look at verse 10, from 6, go down to 10. The first sinners of his kingdom were Babylon. If you know your Bible, Babel is where man and his pride began to, to set up a tower. In their pride, they said, we're going to get to God. We're going we're to become like God. We're going to get to him. And, of course, he confused the languages there. We know that story. And every time from here on in the world system, it was called the Babylonian system. Look who else came from Ham. Look at verse 11. From that land, he went to Assyria where he built Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was the capital of Syria. The Syrians were coming into Israel, and they took the northern kingdom of Israel captive. Right? You guys know your Bible history, right? Verse 14, the Philistines came from Ham. Of course, we know the problems that the Philistines caused the people of God, right? If you don't, the Philistines the Syrians, and then look at verse 19. What does it say there? Sodom and Gomorrah came out of the lineage of Ham that you can trace all the way back to Cain and him starting the world system that we're still talking about today. Sodom and Gomorrah. Are you with me now? 
There was a world system that was birthed by Cain. That spirit remained. In that system of Babylon, it was referred to over and over and over again. Is everybody tracking with me so far? Now go to Luke chapter 4. We find in Luke chapter 4, some of you already know this when I said it. In Luke chapter 4 is the testing of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And he's going to be tested by somebody named Lucifer, Satan, right? Satan shows up after 40 days and 40 nights of Jesus. And it it says when he was baptized, he came up out of the water and he was driven by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. This was God's plan. This was God's design. And what we find here is very interesting in in the grand scheme of things of the Babylonian system in God's kingdom. There's only two kingdoms on this in, in operation in the world today. That is the Babylonian system in God's kingdom. And everybody in this room is being molded by one or the other. Everybody in this room is heavily invested or investing in one or the other. Don't think that this is a gray area. Don't think that this is a maybe, maybe not. You are either Complete, and, and how do I answer that tonight? I ask myself, what one am I most passionate about? Amen? Now look here in Luke chapter 4. The kingdom of Satan, the Bible would call that the Babylonian world system. And it's a system that's apart from and completely separate from the kingdom of God. And listen, all three of the temptations in Luke 4 that Jesus faced... Was, rep, was presented for Jesus to obtain what God sent Jesus to obtain through the wrong means and the wrong motives. Everybody say means and motives. In the kingdom of God, we see here in Luke 4, not only is there two distinct world systems, but it also matters what our means and our motives in obtaining what God said we would have. In other words, here in the scripture that we see these three things that, that he was tempted with because Jesus, how many believe Jesus is the king of kings? Yeah. Jesus is the Lord of lords. Jesus is worthy to be worshipped, amen? amen? So the temptation that he brought and took Jesus up onto the temple, and he says there, he says that I am going to offer you, and Jesus did not dispute Satan's, Ability to offer, the, and it's my understanding and it's my belief that when he takes him up to the temple and he shows him all the kingdoms in a moment, I think it was all the kingdoms from all the way back at Cain all the way to the end of time. I believe that. I believe it had to be something so extravagant. And so, in other words, everything that Satan offered to Jesus in those three temptations were things that the Father had already promised Jesus would have but he was trying to get him to subvert the cross. He was trying to get him to operate in the way of the world system because the world system says if you will do it this way, the means justify the ends. And in the kingdom of God, the, the, the ends never justify the means by which we operate as the people of God. Amen? Amen? Look in Luke 4, verse 5. What am I saying? I'm saying this. Every day of our life, we are tempted to sacrifice the means and the motives to get something that God wants us to achieve. And the means and the motive absolutely matter to God. 
Luke 4, verse 5. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. Again, look back this way. The kingdoms of the world. You have the kingdom of God, who Jesus said, I have come to preach and teach you about what God's kingdom is and what it's like. He said very clearly, the kingdom is inside of you. He said very clearly, my kingdom is not of this world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, because we fell in Genesis 1, 2, 3, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. In other words, he took what Jesus' ultimate goal was and offered him proper means and motives in order to get there. But of course, Jesus did what? Shut up, Satan. Amen? The point is this. There is glory and there is authority in the world system and kingdoms. There is. And Jesus was offered that glory and he was offered that authority and Jesus denied it because it wasn't according to God's way. In God's, God's kingdom, it was according to the world's way and the world's kingdom. Go to Revelation 18 tonight. In this chapter in Revelation 18... We're seeing the final destruction of the Babylonian system. And as a word of advice and a warning to all of us, church, be careful what you're investing in. Be careful what you're investing in. We need to be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves in the times and seasons that we live in. We need to be people who discern where God's kingdom is operating and what we're supposed to sow into and where the enemy's kingdom is operating and what he wants us to sow into. And there's only two kingdoms you can invest in, the Babylonian system or the kingdom of God. And I I came to tell you one simple thing tonight. According to Revelation 18, the Babylonian system is passing away. The kingdoms of this earth, the Bible says, have become the kingdoms of our God and His Christ. We look around at the world and see what is culminating in the passing away in the Babylonian system that has been under God's judgment for 2,000 years is finally going to come down And God's judgment is going to be a final judgment upon it so that God's kingdom can be fully set up upon this earth. And if I said that and you got sad for a moment, let me ask you what system you're invested in because it makes me rejoice to know that the system set up all the way back by Cain, the first human is going to be judged by God because I am not invested in that. I'm invested in Him and His kingdom. Do I, do I get my mind and my life caught up in the things? Of course I do. But the Holy Spirit will come and point out in my life where I'm more concerned about my everyday living. And achievements are great, but if they're achievements that come at the cost of who you are and God called you to be, it isn't God and you're investing in the wrong kingdom. God has been judging the Babylonian system for 2,000 plus years. And the more you're invested in that system, the more disappointed you're going to be in the days, weeks, years, and months, and and time ahead. Are you listening to me tonight? 
See, so many Christians that are so disappointed in the way the world's headed, and I just stop and I'm saying, he sold us it was going to go this way. Very plainly told us what was going to happen. And I know everybody who's spiritually in tune with what the Holy Spirit's saying in the seasons and times ahead, there's going to be a great shaking. There's going to be a great falling away if it hasn't already begun or already happened. And we do not need to fear that. We need to understand there's wheat and there's tares. And they'll grow up together until God judges it and begins to root out all the unrighteousness, all the unholiness, all the junk of this world system so that our God can reign. We are people of the kingdom. You know, in the book of Revelation, it's amazing because... You have the great beast, the dragon, and his false religious system, and all these things we see fully come on the scene and come to complete fruition, which has been going on for thousands of years. You understand that. But it's the culmination of it. It's the final final culmination of the end of the age. And we see here in, in the book of Revelation, and you see John taken up to heaven, and he's seeing all this play out, and he sees the great beast, and he sees... Uh, the people of God and people who love God being martyred and killed and all these, all this. And, and there's this big drum roll in heaven in the book of Revelation. And there's going to be a great unveiling. There's going to be a curtain open. And you can sense John's excitement because I think he's going to have like a, an Isaiah moment where it's pulled back and there's thunder and lightning and the great angels with the eyes and this great moment. And the curtain's pulled back and it's a dead lamb. It's a lamb slain from the very foundation of the world. And he had to have a thought, how can a slain lamb defeat a great beast? Because it's two different kingdoms. We live by dying to ourselves. We sow when we don't expect even a return on it. We sow because God told us to sow. God told us how to live in His kingdom. The whole book of Revelation is how a slain lamb defeats the great dragon. And if that doesn't excite you, you're investing in the wrong kingdom. In the book of Revelation, what we see is the judgment come down on false religion in this system. And the crux of the entire book is it may seem like we're losing, but honey, we ain't losing. It may seem like everything's going to heck in a handbasket, but honey, it's going exactly the way God said and desired and sovereignly wanted it to go. In church of God, we have nothing to fear, but we have a rejoicing in our heart and in our spirit because the kingdom of God is going to be birthed upon this earth. Jesus is going to physically come back and go from Sinai to Jerusalem, and as soon as His feet touch down on the Mount of Olives, it splits, and the river of living water begins to flow, and God's kingdom is set up on earth finally. Listen, every time you give sacrificially in an offering, you're standing, standing against the kingdom of darkness. Every time you get up your lazy self and get yourself in church, you're standing against the kingdom of darkness. I'm not even kidding. My, my daughter slept in a couple Sundays ago when I got home and said, you go to Bedside Baptist today, honey? Not knocking Baptist, of course, but I never heard that. And I said, get up and get your rear end in church. You need to be in there. Amen? Because any time that you operate by the principles of God, by faith, 
you're operating in his kingdom. And honey, his kingdom has much more reward than what we'll ever imagine. And it's a hard issue. Because he says where you're investing, that's where your heart will be. And our hearts need to be in tune. Our hearts need to be sold out like never before. Our hearts need to be filled with the flame of God's Spirit. We need to stay close to a good church. You need to be in a church where your pastor will tell you the truth in love. You need to be around people that aren't going to let you operate in blind spots and they can point out things without you getting offended and saying, hey, I noticed this about your life and I noticed that about your life. Straighten it up. Amen? Am I in that kind of church? Amen. Then I'm in a kingdom church. And that's what I've ever wanted to do is, was teach and preach to kingdom people that can discern where the world system is. Listen, much greater than you being an American today, you are in the kingdom of Christ. And the kingdom of Christ is bigger than America, it's bigger than China, it's bigger than Russia, it's bigger than Great Britain, it's bigger than the Middle East and all the nonsense that they're constantly doing. Because it is nonsense. Amen. Because the only system that will last eternally is God, Christ, and His kingdom. Revelation 18, are you there? Look at verse 2. Revelation 18 is God judging the Babylonian system. And you see the reaction of the people who are heavily invested in the Babylonian system. And this is their response. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the Great, all the way back to Cain, all the way traced throughout the Bible to Ham. Ham has, has uh, Egypt, Canaan put, it, it is, and then the spirit of that is alive and well today. Satan's throne is set up somewhere on the earth. Babylon the Great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. Now stop there, and I just want to say something completely as a side note. I've always read where Jesus talked about how the kingdom of God would be planted and it would grow up into a great, beautiful tree. And then he, I've always wondered this, and he said, and then the birds of the air came and nested in it. Right there. Right there. In a cage for every unclean and hated bird. In other words, we operate in the kingdom and the enemy is always going to try to come in. That's my point. For all the nations have drunk on the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins unless you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as... She rendered to you and repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she has mixed, mix double for her. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as queen and I am no widow, widow, I will not see sorrow. Therefore her plagues will come in one day, death, mourning, and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord who judges her. Now look at verse 9. The kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning. Now look back this way. Do you see that? The whole economic, the whole political system kept alive 
because we are so invested in something that is passing away and is under God's judgment that we are way more passionate about the things that we can see more than the things that we can't see. Listen, His righteousness according to the Word of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And the world system will teach you, you got to get ahead and it's okay if you cheat a little bit over here as long as you got a better house. It's okay if you do that a little bit of this over here as long as you get ahead. The means and the motives of God's kingdom matter. The way we operate and the way we handle ourselves absolutely matter to God because you are operating in a world system that is under God's judgment. The only kingdom that's going to last forever is His kingdom. If I say that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, and that doesn't describe your life tonight, then I want you to ask yourself, what kingdom are you operating in? We get so caught up in trying to be what the world thinks that we should be. But I want to tell you tonight, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Listen, you could live in a tiny trailer for 30 years of your life and in the world's eyes not be a bit of a success, but in God's eyes be the biggest success in the world because you never sold your soul for a Babylonian system that is under God's judgment. There is a king. His name is Jesus. And he has a kingdom with a completely different economic system a completely different education system, a completely different system of operating in every sphere of life. And in church, if you're going to make investments, and nothing wrong with the stock market, but it's a Babylonian system. Amen? And what I've learned, I was talking about it Sunday, what I've learned is all the stuff that we sell our soul for, it wears out and breaks anyway. But in God's kingdom, in God's system, the things that you sow into his kingdom, it says no thief can bust in and steal that. Or maybe a better thing to tell you is what Paul said. He said, everything I've entrusted to God, I believe that he can keep. Everything that I put into his hand, I believe that he can keep for me. And really, we're so worried about all this when we have been born into the kingdom of God. And we are far too concerned about it than what we'd ever admit to. The story of discipleship is this. The more that you can get your mind there instead of here, you will have joy, you will have peace, and you will have righteousness in the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you right now, you won't be as anxious, you won't be as depressed, Have we forgotten that this is not our home church? That we have eternal glory in God's kingdom of heaven waiting on all of us? Because I don't care what happens throughout your weekday, month, or year. When I can keep my mind stayed on Him, like we're told to do, when I can begin to learn to pray without ceasing, which doesn't mean you're the weird one just mumbling to yourself all the time. Prayer means your mind, your heart is stayed on His kingdom and what He is doing in the earth. Because come come, come, I've come to a conclusion lately is that some of us are praying up against God's sovereign will, and you will never change God's sovereign will. Amen? 
what God has already declared is going to happen is going to happen, and we just need to submit to it. For those of us aligned with heaven, we see things differently than everyone else. At least we should, right? I wonder if we as believers see things differently than everybody else. I heard one time the definition of a prophet is one who weeps when everybody else is joyful and one who is joyful when everybody is weeping. Think about it. Let me define a few of what his kingdom is like. This is just simple, but it's true. In his kingdom, there's no black and there's no white. There's no free and there's no slave. So we don't define people by the color of their skin. Amen? We don't define people in the kingdom by their economic standing. It says there is no male and no female in his kingdom. Wow. There is no Democrat nor Republican in his kingdom. Some of you are about to cheer. Quit it. That's not my point. So there's no rich or poor. There's no black or white. There's no male or female. There's no Republican or Democrat. Church, we are called to be counter-cultural. And we as American Christians have absolutely forgotten that. We have absolutely forgotten that we live and operate in what Jesus came and instituted, which is the kingdom of heaven. We're called to be countercultural. Before you're ever called to be an American, you're called to be a citizen of heaven first and foremost. Because there's only two nations, am I right? Have I not proven that tonight? The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of darkness. I've told you guys this, and I've lost people in this church, but I've sat here and told you, you could fly halfway across the world and meet somebody that serves Jesus as Lord and have a hundred times more in common with them than what you got with your neighbor who's worried about money and a new house and a new car and, and debauchery and sleeping around and all those kind of things. You have far more in common with somebody that believes in Jesus halfway across the world than what you have with most people that you interact with on any given day. There's only two nations, the Babylonian nation and the kingdom of God. And here's what we need to do. We need to start to live in that reality now because it is a reality. American church has largely been built upon celebrity, on music celebrities, on pastor celebrities. Listen, I am hungry for a church that is built on prayer, that is built on the Holy Spirit, that is built on a spirit of sacrificing for the kingdom all over the world. I always want to have a church that's small enough where we can hug and know each other, but big enough to impact the entire world. That's what I desire. Jesus said this, Father, I'm not praying that you take them out of the world. I pray that you keep them from the world. Amen? Stand up with me tonight. Father, your word is like a sharp two-edged sword. And I thank you for that tonight. I thank you that many a million times you have 
you have cut into my life and you have divided between what is my flesh and what is of spirit. You have caused my eyes to open to see things around me, not in a natural way, but in a supernatural way. You've opened my eyes to show me many times in my life, Lord, of evaluating the things that I'm living for. And Jesus, I'm reminded in this moment of prayer of what the great prophet said, that are the things that you're living for worth Christ dying for? Lord, you have touched our hearts. You've shown me throughout this day of things that I sow into, that I'm concerned about, that God is not part of your kingdom. So, Lord, would you give us eyes to see? Would you give us ears to hear? Would you give us a spirit of understanding? Would you make us like the sons of Isaac that discern the times and the seasons that we're living in? Would you give us an understanding and knowing that the enemy will come as an angel of light? Would you give us an understanding that the enemy's greatest tool is to deceive the people of God? And Lord, his deception is offering us something before us that we will violate the kingdom principles that you set out in your word in order to get, get, get. But Father, will you change that in our hearts and cause us to be give, give, give? Lord, we commit to lay down our lives for your kingdom, not the kingdom of this world. Lord, the systems that were created all those thousands of years ago, Lord, we know tonight from your word that that system is under judgment. And God, you're coming to judge. You're coming to do away with the enemy, Satan, his throne, and everything that he has set up, God, you're coming to judge it. So, Lord, we pray tonight that we would dwell in your kingdom, that we would walk in faith in your kingdom, that righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost would fill each and every person and fill each and every heart. Lord, would you, by your Spirit, divorce us from the kingdom of Babylon that we were born into and that you would give us eyes to see the kingdom of Christ that we were born again into. Help us see, help us know, and help us operate in your kingdom by your principles, Father. Lord, I pray for this church tonight. I pray that this word would find its way into good soil, that these people of God would be like the Bereans to study these things to see whether they be true. Lord, give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you and your kingdom. And, Father, I pray tonight that you would protect and watch over each and every one of us. Father, I plead the blood of Jesus over this congregation and our families tonight as they're out and about and traveling. Would you watch over and protect us, Lord? And, Father, would you, God, just give us a spirit of understanding and the knowledge of you. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Go in the name of the Lord tonight and be blessed, blessed, blessed. Mm -hmm.